0: I'm actually going to start a new series. Um, As a pastor, sometimes I wrestle with series and how to do this or what's best. And uh, last one was topical, so I thought maybe this time I should preach through a book. And as I was praying about it, the book of Galatians kept coming to my heart. And so I started reading the book of Galatians. Um, The book of Galatians, just so we're all kind of tracking together, it's one of Paul's letters. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. Um, this was a letter he wrote to the churches in the region of Galatia. Uh, these were churches that, that Paul was integral in starting. He was integral in their development. And he'd heard some reports. And the reports he heard weren't the best reports. And so if you've read any of the New Testament, you know what Paul does when he hears something he doesn't like? He writes a letter. Um, that's kind of who he is. What was he hearing about? He was he was hearing about a group of churches in which he preached about Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus Christ. And he was getting reports back that there were some who had influenced the leaders and the people of church into believing there were other necessities for salvation. Into believing that there was more to just this salvation thing than righteousness through Jesus Christ alone. And so they were dealing with the reality of those who were saying there were Jewish customs or, or the law that were influencing the that 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 actually were uh integral or necessary for salvation that's kind of the context that's what what he's dealing with um and you would say well pastor it's the 21st century i think that's the correct way to say it uh we don't deal with jewish customs and laws anymore like it's not like we're struggling with whether someone has to be circumcised or not to get saved. Like it's not our problem. Uh, most of us don't struggle with dietary laws and what we can eat and what we can't eat or when we should pray or how. You know, these aren't things that affect us. But this book of Galatians, as is, is I was reading about it and just, just, just spending time studying it, it's a book that was actually... If you want to know the history, it was a catalyst for the Protestant Reformation. This was the book above all books that Martin Luther clung to. Martin Luther said this book was so important to me, to him. I'm going to read this quote because I thought it was a a pretty cool quote if I can find it. This little book of Galatians is my letter. He said, I have betrothed myself to it. It is my my wife. He was saying this book was so important to everything that he was facing in the beginning of, of the Protestant Reformation that it was as important as, as his wife. This book was life for him. Why? Because it was dealing with the effect of men on the, the plan of God. It was dealing with, again, in the early church or in that moment before the Protestant Reformation, it was dealing with the reality of religion taking place of righteousness and the requirements of that. And so, so he said this was imperative. Uh, John Wesley, it says, he found peace in a sermon on Galatians. It was a commentary uh, by Curtis Vaughn. It said, few books have more profoundly influenced the minds of men have so significantly shaped the course of human history or continue to speak with such relevance to the deepest needs of modern life is the book of Galatians. I hope that over the next few weeks, I think I have five sermons that I plan to preach from the book of Galatians, you take time to read the book. I'm not going to be preaching verse by verse. Some would say, you're preaching from Galatians. There's some really cool verses. Uh, 220, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. There's verses that talk about there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. You're all Christians. It's, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. You know, we all know Galatians where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit that's love, joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And those are all great things that as pastor went into this, I thought maybe that's what I was preaching about too, I will tell you this is a powerful book. Spend time reading it apart from church. Spend time looking at it and maybe seeing if God's speaking along the same lines of what he's speaking to pastor. Or maybe you can come to pastor and say, Pastor, did you think of it that way? That would be great. I, I would love that. Um, but what stood out to me as I read this book, have you ever been with someone who asks good questions? Do you I mean? Like some people... They're good at asking questions, and some people are really bad at asking questions. Kids sometimes are really bad at asking questions. They ask the same question over and over again. There's no answer that's going to satisfy them, so they just keep asking it over and over. When, 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 as a, as a, in my role with the Assemblies of God, I get to sit down with potential ministers, and we interview them. And I will tell you, I hear really bad questions in those interviews, and there's really good questions you can ask. And sometimes it's the way you ask it. There's an art to asking good questions. Um, And Paul, when I read the book of Galatians this time, that's what stood out to me were his questions. It was less about the powerful verses, but more about the questions that Paul poses in this letter. So throughout the letter, Paul asks, maybe sometimes they're a little bit rhetorical, but he asks questions to the, church, uh, to the churches in Galatia, or at least the readers of this letter, that I want to dig into. So we're just going to jump right in to his first question. Galatians chapter 1, 10. His question that he asks, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? I tell you what, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Paul is saying in this letter, he says to these people, now this is kind of a defense and we'll get into that. We'll read some of the previous verses of this. But Paul is saying, is my motivation, is who I am and who, I, who you know me to be, am I one that sets out to please men or to please God? Am I one that sets out to please people or am I one that seeks to obey God's plans? Who am I seeking the approval of? If you want to ask yourself a question this morning, am I seeking the approval of men? Look at what precedes this. Galatians, oh, I didn't even pull it up, sorry. There you go. There you can see it real quick. Now I'm gone. Um, Galatians chapter 1, this is the beginning of the letter. You know, I, I just picture this, you open up the letter from Paul, it's got the seal on it with the P or something out, how Paul sealed his letters, and you're opening it up, and you're reading this, and you're feeling really good in verses 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, I and mean, all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. I mean, look at how this sounds. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us in the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom, of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I mean, I'm opening that up. I'm feeling good. Like, this may not be Paul's normal letter. Grace and peace. I mean, Paul's starting this very cordially. But what happened? Verse 6 happens. So then verse 6 comes and there is a complete change. I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are trying to throw you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, and so I say now again, or so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. That's a far way from grace and peace. I mean, this is about as as candid as Paul gets, and, and right after this is, is, is where he says, Am I trying to seek the approval of men? Is that who I am or of God? Am I trying to please people or am I trying to please God? Is what he says. Paul is so upset with people who are perverting the message, the gospel, which he preached. They're, at, which he preached. They're adding to that which, which is causing a hindrance. That's why he's so passionate. Paul is passionate about evangelism. You might say he liked to write. Paul's passion was seeing people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's who he was. And if anything stood in the way of his passion, he got very um, animated is the best way I can put it. That's the nicest way to put it. Um, Paul then came back and he said, no, if someone is, and he said, even myself, (laughs) even if I preach something other than the gospel, which I preached to you initially, I should be under God's curse. This is a, that's a big statement. Anyone preaching a gospel message other than this, they should be cursed of God. Paul is that passionate about it. He's so passionate, He saying, it doesn't matter what you think about me. When I came and when I preached to you and when I left, I wasn't doing it so you would like me. I wasn't doing it so that you would give to me. I wasn't doing it so that you would write books about me. I was doing it because I was compelled by the love of God and I was led by his spirit to accomplish these things. approval are you seeking? Are you seeking the approval of man or of God? There's a story in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. Um, not at the beginning, the end of that chapter. Uh, Peter is there and he's gone through, his shadow has been casting on people. He's preaching about Jesus Christ. The Sanhedrin, that's the religious court, got upset, so they did what? They arrested Peter and his colleagues. They threw him in jail. While Peter and Peter and his colleagues were in jail, an angel, of the Lord, comes in the middle of the night. He sets them free from jail, but it's interesting because he apparently locks the door behind them, however that happens, and they go to the temple. They go to the temple courts, and they begin to preach about Jesus Christ again. The Sanhedrin comes the next day. The people, the guards, they see that that the doors are locked but the prisoners aren't inside so they get upset, they go find them where they should find them in the temple courts preaching about Jesus and they put them on trial again. And look at what they say. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. That's the accusation against them. The Sanhedrin is just worried about what? The approval of men. You've made us guilty before men because you're teaching a truth other than the one that we've taught them. And they're not going to like us anymore. They might revolt against us. They might do things to us. They're worried about the approval of men. But what does Peter say? Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God, rather than human beings, the next verse says that the, the, the high priest got so upset, they like flipped out when they said this, and, and Gamaliel had to speak to kind of bring this all to order, but but that was the reality of what they were facing, this question of why do I do what I do? Am I more motivated in what I do be, because of the people that are around me, the, the circumstances that I'm around, or am I going to be radically obedient To please God at all cost. Am I going to please God if it means that I'm arrested? Am I going to mean... I mean, you think about the man who wrote this. You think about the context of when they wrote this. We don't understand the, 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 the aggression towards the faith in Jesus Christ. We don't really know what it means to be persecuted. A lot of us think we're persecuted if someone doesn't like our Facebook post. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh man, I just took one for the cross. Oh, Yes. We think that's persecution. These people were facing rocks and stones and spears and crosses and arrests and betrayals because of their belief in Jesus Christ. And they were saying, it doesn't matter who arrests me. It doesn't matter what people think. I've got to obey God at all costs. Paul is saying the same thing. Remember, Paul, he deals with quite a bit of this. His road wasn't easy. He's arrested. He's beaten. He's stoned. And he says, am I doing this for the approval of men or the approval of God? Whose approval are you seeking? You see, sometimes we we think we please people because of who we are. Right? Our identity, we think, is what pleases people. Paul, in the book of Philippians, he kind of writes about this. Philippians chapter 1 Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write to you the same things to you again. and as a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Again, we're talking about circumcision. He's upset with this for adding to, to what it is. For it is by we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the... You See, sometimes we're finding approval from our flesh from what we do. You know what I mean? Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put more confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ." My Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them rubbish or garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection, the participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. It doesn't matter what people say about me. It doesn't matter my reputation or who people say I am. It doesn't matter the accomplishments that I have or the trophies that are on my wall. None of them make me more qualified for the grace of God. It doesn't matter if I was born in the right family or the wrong family. It doesn't matter if I was circumcised or not circumcised. It doesn't matter if I've been trained by Gamaliel or I've been trained by Pastor Steve. None of it matters because I just need to know the resurrection of the dead. I need to identify with Jesus Christ. So many times we're seeking the approval of men because of what we've done. Look at your life. It's what I'm doing. It's my identity. Is it more driven by what others think than it is what he thinks? Am I trying harder to please others with the way I live and with who I am and with, with the, with the, with the things that I have or the things that I don't have, the, the places I go or the things I do? Is that more driven by, by people? Is that more driven by others than it is by the God who created me? Is that more driven by others than the God who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for me? Am I seeking the approval of men or of God? This next one's going to sound kind of funny because we don't like to consider this one. Colossians chapter three, Philippians chapter three was kind of about what other people see. Colossians chapter three: slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it. Not only when their eye is on you, and when, their courier, when you curry and to curry their favor. That's a yeah but with sincerity of heart and reverence to the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Is it the Lord Christ, is it the Lord Christ you are serving? It is. I'm sorry. I was asking another question. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. You know how often are our efforts? That's what I see in this. The efforts that we have, again workplace is a great model of this. The, the the where we are and the what we do. Are we working to please men or are we working to please God? We all have our context. We all have the things that we do. Sometimes it's in our homes. Sometimes it's with our marriages. Sometimes it's with our children and we're working. Our efforts are, are inclined for what? The approval of men rather than the approval of God. That was the reality of this. Slaves obey your masters. Do what they say. Not just to Hurry their favor, not just to make them give you a, uh, an extra serving tonight for supper, but because you're honoring God with what you do. Do we think about how we honor our God with our efforts, with what we're doing? That's what we're doing at work. That's what we're doing at school. That's what we're doing when we volunteer. That's what we're doing through our community. Is that what you think of? With your efforts. I promise. You can gain the approval of men, but it's probably going to fall away. I was talking with Jerry just the other day. And we were talking about how long we've been, I've been here. And he said, you know, Pastor, as long as you've been here, there's, there's sure to be someone that's been offended with you at some point, right? And the reality is, the sad part about the approval of men is it goes just as quickly as it comes. Do you know what I mean? Because it's It's temporary. And so many times we're, we're worried about what, what we're doing and will others see what we're doing? Will they respect us? Well, maybe they finally see us. Well, maybe we finally get that position. Well, maybe we get that promotion. And we try all these things so that men can see them. Are you seeking the approval of men? Man, Paul's got good questions. Or the approval of God. Boy, that comes back even to our spiritual life. Right? Matthew chapter 6. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand your left-handed, what your right-hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. How much, we talked about of of what people see, your reputation, how much of your efforts, how much of your spiritual makeup is based on what other people see? Can we be real for a second? Sometimes we put on a shell. Huh? Sometimes we, we... we do things because other people are doing them. Sometimes we respond because we see others responding. We act a certain way because we know that others will think differently if we don't act that way. Our motivations when it comes to our faith. I'm supposed to pray. Well, why am I supposed to pray? I don't know for sure, but I want people to know that I'm praying. So I'm going to tell people I'm praying. I'm supposed to fast. Why am I supposed to fast? I don't know, but I want to do it because someone tells, you know, and then and then what was happening here is, is that people were doing they're acts of righteousness. What are acts of righteousness supposed to be? What is it defined by? Acts of righteousness. That wasn't a trick question. They're the actions that are the product of our righteousness in Christ Jesus. If your righteousness is more based on what men see or what people see, then that's where your righteousness is found. And Jesus is saying it's not worth it. Those things are temporary. You're getting your reward from Men, I tell you what, I know me. I'd much rather a reward from him than a reward from me. You know what I mean? This is probably too candid, Pastor Steve. Um, sometimes when we have board meetings, we talk about issues and there's there's needs. And, and I give it to the board and let the board decide what, how or what we're going to do. And I will say almost every time I brought a need to the board, the number that they have put on the need was way more than the number I put on the need. That's not a good thing. Uh, sometimes um, you don't want to call me stingy, but sometimes I can be stingy if that makes sense. Like, and so what I realize is that, that sometimes we're settling for the reward of men. Would you rather someone in this room today look at you and say, well done, or the father, the king of kings, the mystery that Walt was talking about, the one who spoke to us this morning looks at you and says, well done. Whose reward would you rather have? His reward is, well done, my good and faithful servant. His reward is, is come and, and enjoy the place that I've prepared for you. His reward is, is the promise of love, hope, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that are ours in Jesus Christ. My reward is way to go. Looks good. Proud of you. Hey, those are good things to say. You know, one of the things I had to learn about these verses is he's not necessarily saying don't do these things. There might be a time where God asked you to pray in the public. That's not a bad thing. There's going to be times where he calls you to fast. There's going to be times where he asks you to give to the needy. He's not saying don't do those things. He's saying be compelled by the love of Christ, not by the thoughts of men. Be compelled by the eyes of God, not by those who are looking at you. Paul. Good questions. Whose approval... Are you seeking? 1 Corinthians, this is where I want to kind of land this morning. This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear but that does not make me innocent. It's the Lord who judges me. You might have answered the question this morning that you think, are you seeking the approval of men or the approval of God? I promise you, it's the Lord who judges the intentions of our heart. No man can tell you why you're doing things. No one can tell you why, the, the, where the motivation come from, where, where the things that you're doing come from. Therefore, judge nothing that comes before it's appointed time. Wait until the Lord, time, the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will do what? He will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each one will receive praise from God. I love that assumption that the motives of the heart are going to rejoice and result in praise. Paul's a pretty good pastor here. He's assuming that that people are changing their heart motive, the shift in their heart, that what they're doing is because of the approval of God not men. I want to tell you this morning. I want you to hear me today. You may fool everyone in this room about your motives. You may fool your spouse. You may fool your children. You may fool your grandma, but you're not going to fool God, the one who is and was and always will be. He's the one who will judge. He's the one that knows the reason why. He's the one that knows what's in your heart and why you're doing what you're doing. And I tell you what, we can be accountable today. We can make changes today. We can cause ourselves to be compelled by the love of Christ. We can cause our acts of righteousness to be of the righteousness of God, not the righteousness of men. It's all responsibility. Paul was asking maybe a rhetorical question. You know me and you know my motives. This morning I'm asking a serious question, a true question. What are you doing? What are your motives? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you exercising faith the way you're exercising faith? Why are you working the way you're working? Why are your, your reputation or the accolades or the things about you that you've aspired for, why are they there. Are you putting more trust in them than you are in Him? Are they more important? I guess I I keep viewing a, a scale. I think we all wrestle with the scale. There's a time and a place where there might be this wrestling. Which one's heavier? Which one carries the weight? There's a story in the Old Testament. Remember, Walt was talking a little bit about the, the temple being restored this morning. I was going to when David brought the ark back. David's bringing the ark of the covenant back. And, and this is one of the funny things in Scripture. Um, uh, just to pause for a moment. Uh, when I was... <clears throat> A youth pastor, uh, sometimes youth pastors do things that people don't like. That's what we're called to do. My mom bought me a bumper sticker. It said, prayer, just do it. It was cool, put on the back of my car. Well, I had a buddy of mine that went to see a comedian. And that comedian sold bumper stickers. Now, Rowan, don't get upset about this, please, Angie. Oh, man, old ladies, hold your ears. He sold bumper stickers that said dot, 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 Naked. And that was kind of what he said. So he said, you know, you see people with bumpers and, and they got my child as an honor student at this school and then you put this bumper sticker on there and it's ha-ha, funny, funny. Well, he bought one and he put it on the back of my car. So it said, prayer, just do it. Dot, dot, dot. it. Oh, terrible. You know, somebody followed me down one day. They followed me into the church parking lot. They got out of their car. They screamed and yelled at me and told me how terrible of a Christian I was and how fake I was. Man, I bit my tongue. It was something about that self-control, the product of, of faith in Jesus Christ. But this story about David is the one that I was clinging to. Because what happened with David when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back? I'm not saying go put a bumper sticker on your car that says prayer, just do it dot, dot, dot naked. What did David do when he was so excited about the Ark of God, the promise of God, the covenant of God come? It's just that he took his clothes off. Oh, I know, man, this is weird. Now in scripture, I've seen, I've seen places where it said he danced naked. Other places say he wore a linen ephod. It was his underwear. He was dancing before the Lord. He was dancing out in public before the Lord. And his wife, Michael, she's up in the house and she looks out at him. And boy, she's stewing because, because Davy's out there dancing in his skivvies. First thing he does, you ever had these moments, men, when you got in the door, all of a sudden your wife wasn't your wife because of something that happened. Joe, don't laugh right now. She greeted him at the door and she's like, what are you doing? And he doesn't know. He's off this high of of the ark's come back and he's been dancing before the Lord and he thinks everything's great. And she said, you just undignified yourself in front of even the slave girls. And David looks at her and he says, I'm going to celebrate the Lord. And there might be a time I become even more undignified than this. Pastor is not preaching today. Go out in your underwear and praise the Lord. That is not my message. Please. What I'm preaching is if God compels you, it doesn't matter who's looking. If it's the product of righteousness, it doesn't matter what people are saying. If it's because of, of what Jesus Christ did for you. And people might look at you. They might be calling your names. People you trust. People you care about. Might be saying, that is absolutely crazy. It doesn't matter because I'm not compelled by what they're telling me. But I'm, I'm living in the product of my righteousness with God. In who I am. In what I do. In how I worship. I'm driven by the approval of my God. You guys can come forward. Yeah, Ty, can you go get Pastor Tara? Kyle, I was planning on preaching for you during worship and or uh, praying for you, not preaching for you. i preach for you now. Um, Kyla is getting ready to shift in life. Uh, she's been a high school senior, graduated. She leaves this week to go to Fremont, Nebraska. That's like the other side of the world. I mean, that's halfway to Cincinnati, Kyla. I mean, seriously, you're getting there. But as I was thinking about it, even this morning, thinking about this season in Kyla's life, what a season for this message. Kyla, I want to tell you, God prepared this message for you this morning. This wasn't my intention. I didn't orchestrate this. I didn't plan this. But what a message for a young person leaving where they are and going to a new place. I can't think of a season in our lives where we're... We're caught up with. Pastor Tanner just came and we prayed this morning about the students that are coming to Shattered State. What are they caught up in? Seeking the approval of men. Who are my friends going to be? Where am I going to leave? How am I going to exercise my faith? Maybe people will see me. Maybe people will recognize me. And the sad part is, in a lot of those moments, people make a lot of bad choices because they're seeking the approval of men, not of God. They're seeking to please people rather than please God. But God is saying to you this morning, He's saying to us this morning, no matter what season we're entering, We need to enter that season with the expectation, the reality that I'm doing this to please God. How I study, what I say, how I practice, what I do is to bring glory to His name. The grades that I make, the degree that you get... Or him. So this morning, and in this point in the service, if Kyle, if you can come forward, your family come up here with you. Pastor Terry, come up. If Barrett's back there, make sure he comes up here too. You know, last week we prayed for a couple of people believing in healing, believing God was going to be faithful. This week we're praying. Same way, same faith. One of, my, one of my privileges as a pastor is being able to send people out. I love it. I love sending people out because it takes a little bit of what's here and it, and it takes it somewhere else. Oh, I'm sure Amanda doesn't love it. Joe doesn't love it. Barrett loves it. He's smiling. He's got a new room. <laughs> this morning we're going to pray for Kyla. If you guys want to come up as a church body. Father, we thank you for everything you've spoken this morning. For the promise that you know our tomorrows. For the assurance that you're paving a way. That you formed us in our mother's womb. And for Kyla, Lord, as she goes, as as we send her out, Lord, we ask that you would be with her in the name of Jesus Christ. The assurance of a God who never leaves us, who never forsakes us, Lord. Let her live in such a way that her worship, her life, the way in which she conducts herself is in spirit and in truth, that in what she says, in what thought she has, that in what drives her, in what motivates her, Lord, she's inspired for the approval of God. God, you know where, you know who, You know what places that you have set apart for her? I pray that you pave the way, God, to friendships. I pray that you pave the way, God, to a church family. I pray that you pave the way, God, to the places in which you need her to be so that she can be all that that you've called her to be. For her family, Lord, we pray for them. The promise of a counselor and advocate. The peace of God that transcends understanding. The comfort of the Lord. In seeing God your plans, your purposes fulfilled in Jesus name. Amen. Oh, thank you sir. You're not up the hook yet. That was a moment. Now you answer the question for yourself. Whose approval are you seeking? In whatever season you may be entering, in whatever situation, you know, teachers, school starting. Oh, yeah. Kids, you're getting ready to go back. It's exciting. Some of us, it may be the same Tomorrow that it was today, but I still have to ask the question. As a pastor, I have to ask the question. As a father, I have to ask the question. As a husband, I have to ask the question. As a child of God, I have to ask the question, what motivates me? Who am I trying to please? We're going to let them sing a, a, a song. We're going to pray. You can respond however you feel inclined to respond. Father, this morning Paul's question resonates with our hearts you promised to expose the motive of our hearts God I pray you expose them this morning in this place expose them Lord before we stand before you in in, in judgment Father God, the Word says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? We cast out demons. Did we not lay our hands on the sick and they were healed? And he says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, Lord. I pray that it's not a word anyone in this room hears. Because we're seeking the approval of God. That what we hear, God, is well done. Because the motives of our heart, the the intentions of our actions have been revealed to us. Speak to us, guide us, and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. Who's approved Are you, The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you, and grant you his peace. And may you seek to please God. May when God reveals the motives of your heart, he rewards you richly. Amen. Be blessed.